Welcome to another episode of She Looks Like Me. I'm so excited for my guest today. My guest, Diana Cadet, FCC, is a certified clarity coach who helps women and self-identified femmes of all genders gain the emotional clarity and confidence they need to live a purpose-led life. Hi, Diana. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to talk with you today. I am all for jumping in people's inboxes when I feel a spark. For me, that was exactly how we met. But before I talk about how we got here to today's chat, I want to know what is bringing you joy these days. I would say reconnecting or connecting with friends new and old. I say that because, as you know, the last time we spoke, I was in France and I was there for a month and I came back and had a bit of the post-travel blues. And then on top of winter showing up at my doorstep, I'm in Canada, so winter is no joke here. And it took me a while to get out of a funk. And uh, the past couple of weeks have just been me finally like getting back out into the world, connecting with people and reminding myself that like this, this fills my cup. I have to remind myself to do that when I'm at home because I, I love to be on the go as well. So I have to remind myself, like when I'm at home, like you have people at home too. You have a life at home. You have places to be the, that you love at home. So let's let's enjoy that while we're here. How we got here today. Okay, so I was actually sitting in on one of Diana's talks with the organization Creative Morning. I don't know how I got affiliated or started getting into the Creative Morning talks, but I've been watching them and kind of keeping up with them for years and when was that talk? Like October, September? It must have been September. It would have been before I left for France. So you did that talk and that talk was the stories we tell ourselves. And so for me, I wanted to add on the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, right? Because it was essentially the same thing. But for me, it's it's really looking at ourselves and looking at the things that we have either internalized from outside forces or things that we've we've made up in our own minds and nine times out of 10 it is things that we've made up in our own minds. <laughs> and so the fact that you you spoke on this subject, I just loved it and so I was like, yes, I need Diana to come on the podcast and talk about it so that we can really get into it and start to break down like how do we do better? Before we get into how to do that, I want to talk about how you got here, like where you were in your journey, where things were for you, where you felt like you needed to maybe assess this for yourself. Because I know that a lot of times before we can go out into the world or before we do go out into the world and start talking about it with other people, we deal with it ourselves <laughs> in private somewhere that's not so cute. So what did that look like for you? I think it was about five or six years ago and my life was really transitioning. I've been working for damn near my whole life. I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, and I had just moved here to Toronto about f five years prior to that time. You know, I was kind of coasting through life, getting whatever jobs I could get, but I always envisioned something more for myself. And that time, that period of time is when everything I hoped for myself was slowly starting to come to fruition. You know, I was making good money. I was in a cool, innovative industry. I was working in tech at the time. I was in marketing. I was actually doing something with, with my degree somewhat, but I was still, you know, the me that I was used to being. And when that started to really shift was, you know, pe as people got to know me and 
reached out to me for different opportunities or asked me if I would ever do certain things like, you know, public speaking, things like that. My go-to response was always like, oh, like I'd love to, but I'm too shy. And it would usually stop there. Sometimes they might give me a look. And it wasn't until, you know, I had really built this core circle of friends that really knew me. And we all work, we all happened to work together at the same company. Every time they overheard me tell someone I was shy, like just roasted, just roasted me. Like, girl, what are you talking about? And at first I like laughed it off and I was like, I mean, you know, good on me for like, I try not to project it too much so you don't know, but this is a real thing. And they're like, uh, are you sure? Like, that's what it is though. Like, and, cause like, you know, once you get out there, like you're out there, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. And then, so after a while, I just stopped kind of combating it or brushing it off and really took a second to like, think about it and be like, maybe there's something to that. Right. Cause I'm a strong believer in like, listen to what people are telling you, right? Like don't get so wrapped up in your own head or your own mind or your own narrative or your own stubbornness that no one can ever tell you anything about yourself. At the end of the day, yes, you know yourself the best, but I always try to to parse through what people are saying to at least understand why they're saying what they're saying, even if they're wrong. And so I took a second one day and I was like, why is this everyone's reaction when I say I'm shy? I realized I had just been saying that my whole life. I grew up in an environment where it was better and safer and easier to be quiet and observant and look at all the ones around me. I grew up in an environment with a lot of chaos. So again, for safety, it was it was easier for me to just sit back and observe and move from there. And I also grew up in an environment where I was typically the only Black girl, right? Uh, whether that was my neighborhood, all of my schooling, all of that, right? So I just became known as like a very quiet, reserved person, unless you really, really knew me. And I just kind of carried that with me throughout my life, throughout my career, even well past like my childhood, well past my adolescence. You know, I'm a grown adult at this point, but I I realized I was still thinking of myself like that child, Diana. And I realized like, I should probably update this story, (laughs) especially because more and more I'm doing things that kind of fly in the face of that. And once I did, honestly, just that reframing in my mind, it's not like it was written anywhere official, but just that reframing in my mind of like, I'm not shy. I do tend to have social anxiety. And in certain situations, it takes a lot for me to open up. But if I feel safe and comfortable enough, I am very outgoing. I'm very candid. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And just that simple reframing, next thing I knew, you know, I was going to a speaker's boot camp and I was speaking publicly online and I was building an online presence for myself. And I was doing all of these things that before I would honestly just tell myself, like, don't even bother. Like, you're shy. That wouldn't be fun for you. Why are you doing that? And so that started about in my mid-20s. Now here we are. And yeah, it's definitely not something I, I connect with anymore in terms of that narrative. But yeah, it really took my friends pushing me, well, laughing at me to revisit that part of myself. I love it. Shout out to friends, okay? Telling you about yourself in good ways, okay? Yeah, yeah. Because like too often there are instances and experiences where people are telling you about yourself in bad ways. Yeah. To be able to tell you you're amazing or you're dope or you're not that shy. You're actually really outspoken and you have a lot to say and the things you say are valuable and all that good stuff. So I love it. Shout out to your friends. Because there's a balance there, right? Like 
I, in my experience, I've been used to people telling me about myself that they're just projecting or they're trying to undermine me in some way. And then it's when you're used to that, it's easy to assume the opposite is people blowing smoke up your ass. It's people just trying to motivate you because they have to or because they love you or whatever. And so it's really important to have that discernment. And if you're not sure, just ask, right? At the end of the day, they're your friends. They have an objective, a more objective view of you. But if you're looking for that clarity, looking for that honesty, just you should feel free to ask if they are, you know, really good friends. One of the reasons that I resonated with your first talk was because I think about, and I've been doing this in my own journey, like thinking about what parts of my story, especially because of that that second half, right? The projecting, the people telling me about myself in ways that I'm like, mm, I don't think this is mine to hold. I think this is your thing. Oh, okay. We're just going to send it my way. Got it. Okay. So I really had to assess like, who am I? Because I have to get really clear about that. And I think everybody should get clear about it because if you don't, Like people just will throw all kinds of stuff your way, right? So I had to sit with that for a while. So all of this that you're hitting on is, listen, Jim's on (laughs) Jim. Okay, I absolutely love it. And so how would you say your life has, has changed in the time? Or what did that transformation look like? Like, how did you actually start? Were there tangible things that you did? Was it just kind of a a mindfulness awareness thing? Like, what did that actually look like to get started, I should say? It was definitely more of a tangible thing. Once I kind of made that, decided to make that switch, there was still a couple of years of kind of like faking it till you make it because it was something that I knew objectively was the truth. But my mind and my heart, after a lifetime of believing one thing, still had to catch up. And so I started really pushing myself. Um, as I mentioned, I went to a speaker's boot camp at the time, you know, or, or I, I'm a storyteller at heart at, at my core. That's what I do. That's how I connect with people is through the stories. And so I started thinking, you know, what are other ways of telling stories? And, you know, I was like, I have the written form down pat, like, let me explore other ways. So I went to a speaker boot camp, and that really reinforced this idea that I have a voice that people want to hear. I have a story that people want to hear just kind of that positive reinforcement that I needed at that exact moment. And that really helped propel me to sign up for more opportunities to do those things, including advocating for myself within my company, right? That first sort of year I was there, I was very comfortable being, you know, the inexperienced little kid and just give me whatever you want to give me. And after that switch, I was more like, this is what I'm capable of. This is what I'm good at. If I haven't shown it to you yet, give me a chance and I will show it to you. And just being a better advocate for myself, right? Because I I was more sure of myself than I'd ever been. I felt more supported than I'd ever been. And all of a sudden these new opportunities were coming about and people were positively reinforcing and saying, you know, I heard you speak or I heard you, I saw you do this thing and it really resonated with me. And so I just kind of kept chasing that until, you know, it sank in. And that that's, that's like a core exercise that I actually do with my clients because I know how hard it is to kind of internalize something just mentally, emotionally. Sometimes it feels impossible. So as much of that positive reinforcement as you can find, go for it is what I say. And that's really what I did for the next several years. I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking about a recent public speaking situation I was in 
maybe just last week, I think I was wrapping up. So I'm in this residency program, like working on my business. And it's been six months of like, you know, weekly huddles and like this whole support system and all of that. And they asked like, oh, do you want to just like pitch your business to like the people that are going to come? Like it's going to be people from the community. And I was like, nah, I don't really know what to say. Like I'm in limbo right now. Like, I don't know what I'm going to tell the people. And, you know, again, me, right? Old narratives. So they kind of talked me into it. And I was like, fine, I'll get up there. I'll say something. So I got up there. I don't know who I turned into, but (laughs) I was like, like afterward, there were like, people coming up to me left and right. And like, like one after another, like, hey, when you get done talking, can I talk to you? And the people who had been in my cohort with me were like, I don't know who that girl was, but (laughs) we like her. And I was just like, well, and when I thought about it, I was like, because I felt like I was in a safe space. I felt like I was in the room with people who wanted me to win and like who really just wanted to see me kill it. And I feel like that might've been why I showed up in this way that didn't feel nervous or like, what am I doing? And I completely freestyled it, but it was a good freestyle now. <laughs> so I'm here for that. And and I was thinking about that as you were saying that. So I want to talk about limiting beliefs and where they come from, how to know the difference between a limit facts and like things that are made up in our minds. <laughs> we'll start 1A1B. Where do limiting beliefs come from for you? Or like when you work with your clients, what are you seeing? Well, actually like psychologists or research says that these ideas develop in our early, early childhood. And basically if they aren't unlearned, they follow us through our lifetime. So it took me looking back at my entire childhood to kind of realize the thread that was kind of following me through well into adulthood, right? It has to do with your upbringing. It has to do with how heard and seen and supported you felt by your immediate family members, by your community, by your peers. All of those experiences that that you have that make us who we are, that all plays into our limiting beliefs at the end of the day. Um, So if you are somewhere where if, if you grew up in an environment or were involved in a lot of activities where, you know, you got negative reinforcement um, or you never got any sort of accolades, then you grow up to be an adult that feels like nothing is worth doing unless you suffer for it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like it just translates as you get older and manifests in different ways. But yeah, because it starts off when we're so young, it's like built into our psyche, which is why it takes years to unlearn. It could take a lifetime, but once you know what to look for and once you know where it stems from, it's a lot easier to tackle because if not, it's just this passive thing that over time we just accept as fact. Whatever those beliefs are, whatever that voice is telling you, my big thing with my clients is like confronting that voice. One of my clients calls it cognitive confrontations. And I think it's so important because otherwise it's just it's just a voice that's always been with you your whole life. You have no reason to question it or question its motives or question who it is or where it's from. You just assume, well, it's a voice I'm hearing. It must be my voice. And it's like, it's kind of not. I completely agree. And so I've actually done a couple of different exercises. So with my therapist, I remember when I first started going to her, she asked me to write down my life story. That was the assignment. There were no parameters. It was like, she didn't say to turn in one page, an essay, 
essay, a paragraph, nothing. And she says she's gotten everything from like a post-it note to like full on pages. I'm on the long winded end. So I definitely gave her a full situation. When I think about the lens through which I told her my story, it was really through like all of my sorrow and like all of the like negative things that happened to me. And really it was so we could work all that stuff out. (laughs) Like I needed her to know like the pivotal moments. But I think in that I'm like, damn, if that's how I'm holding my story as a way to tell a complete stranger, (laughs) like, you know, granted a therapist, somebody who I'm wanting to work through these things, like even still, I think there were a, a lot of great things that I probably left out. She always tells me, she was like, you have a way of exacerbating the negative, but you have a way of diminishing the positive. So getting a little bit more in balance. Absolutely. Yeah. And and one thing we have to take into consideration too, is like a lot of these limiting beliefs, at least when we're kids, are coping mechanisms. They're strategies for survival, right? And so I think I was very similar to you in that I centered myself in my story as essentially a victim, which I was, but I was, I centered it so much that that's how I came across to other people. But I did that as a kid. I did that so other people would know that I needed help. I needed support. I wasn't getting enough. I I was feeling too neglected. So that was kind of like my way of signaling to adults, like, Hey, like if you have room for me, like take care of me too, please. And then in the professional world, that was my way of signaling like, Hey, I'm not a threat. Like, even though I'm the only black girl here, like, please don't try to crush me. Especially like, you know, I started out in the fashion industry where it's like one wrong look and like you're someone's target practice. Right. So, and then it wasn't until I was at that point in my life where everything was going well and I was in a good company and a good company that believed in me and cherished me and valued me that I realized I didn't need to I didn't need to use that strategy to cope anymore. I could now finally focus on not just surviving, but thriving. And that switch is so important and and why I do what I do because so many women, so many Black women especially, how many times do we sit back and ask ourselves like, when am I going to stop surviving? When am I going to start actually living? When am I going to start not just living, but actually thriving? I think a lot of people outside of that demographic, take for granted that these are moments that we actually have because of our upbringing, our limiting beliefs, our circumstances, our lack of privilege, systemic racism, all that stuff. And the switch from survive to thrive, I wish it was like a light switch. Like, just hit the light. Like, it's, no, it is like sometimes the longest journey. And like you said, sometimes a lifetime. Oh, yes. But when you get to the other side or when you even start to get glimmers of what thrive a thriving space feels like, that becomes the journey, I think, of just wanting more of it. You start chasing it. So it's like a natural, like a lot of what I do and why a lot of what I do is is focused on, is is inspired by cognitive behavioral therapy is because a lot of the work I had to do, especially as someone with, you know, diagnosed mental health issues, right? Like I, I've always had clinical depression. I have an anxiety disorder. So a lot of what I have to do for myself is essentially trick my brain in some way or give myself a carrot to chase or give myself, you know, cookie crumbs to to follow. But that's just how the human brain works because by default, it's always looking to protect us. Um, And that means being that friend on your shoulder, being like, Ooh, girl, that's scary. You sure you want to do that? You sure you don't want to just stay at home? Like, I don't know, go off though. Like we have to kind of trick it into 
otherwise that's what it'll do if, if we let it fend for itself kind of thing. And, and so, yeah, a lot of that is kind of doing things where you get that positive reinforcement or that hit of serotonin or whatever it is, and then just chasing that and doing it more and more and more until, like I said earlier, you're no longer faking it. You're, you're actually feeling it. So every time I think my therapist is like done dropping gems, she just drops more of them on me. And And to that point, she recently said, maybe in my last session, she said, what you tell yourself over and over again and over and over and over. She just kept saying over and over. She said, it either is the truth or it becomes the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but in my talk, one of my last slides said that according to the National Science Foundation, our brain can produce as many as 50,000 thoughts per day. And 95% of these thoughts are repeated daily. And so if you think about that, like, what are you thinking every day? You're probably thinking that all day, every day. And that takes a toll. It it takes a toll. It would take a toll on anyone. It's like, sometimes if people really don't get it, I I tell them like, imagine that's like a, a real person just shouting that stuff at you all day, every day. You would go insane. Like you'd go crazy, but because it's internal and it's more passive, you don't really notice it. And you might not notice the individual thoughts and the individual limiting beliefs, but you remember the actions you take as a result and you remember how you felt as a result. And so it's really important to confront those ideas and those beliefs as much as we can and make a habit of it and just do a lot of that self-reflection that it gets easy to forget to do, right? I think the pandemic, for example, one of the very few silver linings is that it, it forced a lot of us to slow down. And I thought I was doing so well before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and I realized I was just in zombie mode again. Like I thought I had taken myself out of it and I realized I just found myself in another place where I was just running around the hamster wheel, right? Because in this capitalist hellscape that we live in, it's like oftentimes all you have time to do in a day is like wake up, go to work, feed yourself, do your chores, go to sleep and do it all over again. So I wasn't pouring into myself at all. Like the most I was doing was, you know, drinking with my friends in order to complain about work, but we're still talking about work. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I I didn't have any time to think about myself, what I wanted, what I wanted to accomplish, my purpose, my values, any of that, because I was too busy just trying to live. Was there like a breaking point or was there like a point that you came and you were like, okay, I need to get a little bit more intentional about this? Or how did you come to that realization? My breaking point, honestly, was after doing what I'd been striving to do my whole life, which was, you know, get a good job, work my way up the ranks, get a seat at the table, essentially, and kind of going through the same cycle of finding a place that seems accepting enough, and then going through that trajectory of that a lot of women of color go through, of like from pet to threat, right? Like you're, they're so excited. They have a black woman on the team. You're cool. You're different. They can learn a lot from you. And then you do too much because you have to do a lot to even get a fraction of the recognition. And all of a sudden you have a target on your back and you know, you're getting left out of rooms. You're getting left out of meetings. You're being undermined. You're being underestimated. And then that's taking a toll. You're internalizing all of that as being a you problem and not a them problem. And now you're second guessing yourself and now imposter syndrome and all that stuff. And just going through that cycle over and over again, I was like, I've been working for 15 years. Like how, like, and I'm, and, and retirement ages when, and 
I'm only 30 and I'm exhausted and I have to do this for another third. Like, I was like, no, the math isn't mathing. No, <laughs> like I can't do this. And I just had a full and utter and complete burnout, mental breakdown, ended up on sick leave. Um, and, and through that, even just seeing how even just taking time for myself was still difficult. Like, ha- like asking for the sick leave or, or filing for the sick leave was the scariest thing for me because I was like, I'm letting people down. I'm so used to, you know, having to be perfect and having to be the reliable and the go-to person that it frightens me to think about what people will think or what people will say behind my back, even though like legitimately I'm fighting for my life at this point. So tell me more about I See You Sis. Is that your clarity coaching services or is that separate? It's my coaching practice. Right now that's what it is. I'm still still pretty new. I just really wanted to nail down that name. Um, actually, it started as, as an Instagram page that I started around the pandemic to kind of I wanted it to be a safe space um, because again, at the time I was really lonely and I was going through, I've lived on my own for most of my life. And so I'm going through this pandemic. I don't feel safe going outside. I live alone. All I have is my dog. Like I just was craving that human connection and that, and that support, you know, everyone around me, like I, I have a great support system, but people have their own lives as well. Right. And they're all dealing with, again, this traumatic thing in their own way. But, you know, most of them had partners, significant others that they lived with or had family that they felt comfortable staying with for long periods of time. Like they had those other resources. So in my darkest moments, it really felt at times like I had no one, even though I have the privilege of, you know, having a job that allows me to go on leave and having a therapist and all that stuff. Like those a hundred percent are privileges, but that that inner child, Diana, that was so used to being alone in the dark, that person is still there, right? And that person, what that person needed and and continues to need is that immediate support that comes with a parental figure or a significant other that can hold your hand and guide you when you don't have the strength to do it yourself. So I started this page where I would just talk about typical stuff that I and a lot of people like me went through and just open it up for conversation of like, you know, if you ever need to talk, my DMs are always open, just in case other people were going through the pandemic alone, especially. And then I kind of discovered coaching and what it really meant. I didn't really know what it meant before. And that sounded a lot like what I wanted to do. And and then I went through and got my coaching certification and then ICU SIS just became that because I felt like as a tagline, it really honed in on what I wanted to do and provide with my services. So what does clarity coaching look like? If we're sitting in front of somebody who needs Diana's services, or I'm listening to this and I'm like, "Mm, this sounds cool, but I don't know if that's for me. Like, I think I got some clarity, but we good. Or, (laughs) and then there are people who are definitely like, I have no clarity, but like, can we just clarify what, what's within these services? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I focus on helping women and femmes gain emotional clarity because I find that's where it starts, right? Um, remember when I said in my journey, once I you know recovered physically, um, which is always m- the most important in the short term, I started looking for that emotional clarity. And what that means is that self-reflection, right? That confronting yourself and actually taking a moment to intentionally 
evaluate who you are, what you want, what you want your impact to be on this life, what you hope to gain from whatever you're doing, what your values are and how that aligns with what you're doing. And if it doesn't align, why is that? Just kind of taking stock of who you are as a person and what you want. It sounds easy, but so many of us don't do it. We either don't have the time or we don't really realize we're not doing it or we do it in a really, for the most part, my clients, what I've noticed is we do it in a very superficial way. Like when I ask people, what are your values? Let's start there because knowing your values and having them be at the core of everything you do, it acts as a compass, right? Once you know your values, then you know what is for you and what's not for you. But a lot of times people drill off these values that either their parents taught them when they're a kid and they just never like re-examined it, or it just sounds good or whatever. My values are live, laugh, love. And it's like, oh, okay. And then, and then what? Like, <laughs> and so I ask people, what are your values? Explain where they came from, why they are, what they mean to like get, go into depth. And so with my coaching, I focus on that emotional clarity first. Um, so people really understand where they're coming from, why they are who they are. Um, And this is just really helpful for people who are in transition or people who just overall just don't feel confident in who they are, what they're doing. They're battling imposter syndrome or negative self-talk, low self-esteem, that kind of thing. Or just people who feel in a rut, people who are like, you know, I was once that girl, but I feel like a shell of my former self. Like, and I don't know where to go from here. And that where to go from here is key. And that's why I think emotional clarity acts as a compass because it really provides you a direction. How would somebody get in touch with you? Like what is coming up? Like what do people need to know about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The easiest way to find me and all my channels is to go on my website, icusis.co. Um, so I-S-E-E-Y-O-U-S-I-S dot C-O um, or dianacadet.com. You can also find my coaching and all that stuff there as well. And what's coming up? Probably a couple of more workshops. I'm just kind of leaving myself open to 2022, to be honest. I spent most of this year just building a community that I love and connecting with other incredible people with their own amazing communities. And I'm just leaving myself open for 2022. Um, So yeah, uh, coaching sessions, whether it's retainer, whether you want to do my eight-week program, uh, whether you want to do just one-on-ones, whatever it is, just reach out to me um, and we'll figure it out. I'm definitely all about accessibility, all about meeting people where they're where they are. So I believe my prices are on my website, but if that is ever a hindrance, especially, you know, as a woman of color, as black women, I know how hard we're hit with this bullshit, especially with the pandemic and stuff. So definitely open for discussion there. I just want to say thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, And yes, I look forward. Hopefully we could do this again. Absolutely. Look forward to it. (laughs) Diana, Diana, I really want to say thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, especially as it relates to the process of improving the narrative you once held about yourself. So you could be all that you're meant to and capable of in this world. I relate to your story in more ways than you know, and I'm sure those listening do as well. And so I just thank you for sharing your wisdom and knowledge so that we might all take a moment to consider what stories or perspectives about ourselves are old, outdated, and just plain not accurate so that we can instead lean into the greatness that we uniquely possess and let that energy lead the way. 
If emotional clarity is something that would be helpful to you based on where you are in your path, which is basically all of us, Diana is definitely a great resource to have in your corner. So be sure to check out her website, icusis.co, or you can find her on Instagram at i.c.u.sis. My hope for you as we wrap up this conversation is that you begin or continue to break up with all the parts of your story that are not helpful to the version of yourself that you want to show up as in the world and replace that with the dope aspects of who you are and are growing into. As someone once told me, trust your dope. That's it. That's all. I appreciate you for listening. This is She Looks Like Me. 